The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Tuesday, the 17th of January in London, coming up this hour. Growing pains, China's economy expands at the slowest rate since the 1970s. Pretty much gone, the Bank of England governor says the trust premium on UK assets has faded. Risky business, CEOs at Davos warn a global recession is on the cards. Billions in UK tax go uncollected, remote learning to combat teacher strikes and ill health costing the economy £150 billion a year. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus trial and tribulation. Musk heads to court over tweets saying that he would take Tesla private. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe on DAB Digital Radio London, Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington DC, Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Cirrus XM Channel 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. China's economy grew at the second slowest pace since the 1970s last year. GDP growth slowed to 3% in 2022 as the country doubled down on its now-abandoned COVID-0 policy. But the future looks brighter. In the fourth quarter, the world's second-largest economy expanded by 2.9% compared to a year earlier. Vanessa Chan, head of Asian Fixed Income Investment Directing at Fidelity, says they're seeing a welcome shift from Beijing. I think to begin with, we do see the policy change in terms of stance compared to last year. So first of all, they've become a lot more pro-growth and to some extent pro-business. Fidelity's Vanessa Chan spoke as new data also shows that China's population shrank in 2022 for the first time in six decades. Over 1.4 billion people lived in the country at the end of last year. And now the risk premium on UK assets is all but gone, according to the Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey. But the country isn't out of the woods yet. Speaking to the Treasury Select Committee, Bailey said that we're still recovering from the impact of Liz Truss's mini budget. I have to be honest. I mean, I think it, you know, it's it's going to take some time to, you know, convince everybody that we're sort of back to where we were before. I mean, not because I doubt the current government. I'm not in any sense saying to be negative. It's just that obviously there is a something of a, of a hangover effect. The Bank of England governor also warned MPs that the ultra-tight jobs market in the UK could derail any drop in the rate of inflation. The World Economic Forum's annual meeting is underway in Davos with a gloomy economic backdrop. Corporate executives and economists are warning that a global recession is likely this year. Nearly three quarters of business leaders surveyed by PwC thought global growth would decline in 2023. That's the highest proportion since polling began back in 2011. BlackRock Vice Chairman Philip Hildebrand says he doesn't see central banks coming to the rescue. 
the central banks are going to continue uh, on their tightening path. They're going to be very careful, very focused on not losing the long-term inflation expectation anchor. Uh, and so I think we're going to see, you know, I, I don't see any chances, frankly, of easing this year. I think the market has that wrong. Uh, so they're going to make sure that we can really not just get from nine to four, but also limit any kind of uh, risks that inflation expectations become unanchored. That's Philip Hildebrand speaking exclusively to Bloomberg in Davos. We'll be live there later today with Germany's Olaf Scholz, who's set to speak in a one-on-one interview with Bloomberg's editor-in-chief, John Micklethwaite. Now to top corporate news. Meme stock investor Ryan Cohen is said to have taken a stake in Alibaba and is calling on the Chinese tech giant to increase its share buybacks. A source says that Cohen built up a holding worth hundreds of millions of dollars in the second half of last year. Cohen has a strong following among so-called meme stock investors and played a central role in the frenzy over GameStop. The next chapter in Elon Musk's life drama will begin to play out in a San Francisco federal court today. It's all to do with tweets about Tesla. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The issue is a number of tweets in 2018 saying that he had lined up the financing to pay for a $72 billion buyout of Tesla. He then followed up, making it sound as if the transaction would be imminent. It fueled a stock rally, which abruptly ended a week later and culminated in a $40 million settlement with the SEC. The trial will make him explain his actions and intentions under oath. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Those are a few of our top stories then this morning. We are very uh, pleased to have so much coverage live from Davos, including Hildebrand that you that we heard from earlier. But also, I think just thinking about what CEOs are most concerned about this year, the PwC survey was very interesting. Yeah, I mean, apart from the forecast for a recession on hiring, which I think was one of the really interesting ones to watch, is that the majority uh, that we've seen of executives do actually expect um, for them to retain staff, that they're not looking at cutting staff. 60% plan not to reduce headcount, 80% not cutting pay. And that's because they're still trying to hang on to uh, employees rather than go through expensive recruitment processes. So at a time when we're talking about some of the big names cutting jobs, interesting to see that sentiment, at least globally among CEOs, that perhaps they are going to hold on to their staff this year and they're not so worried about the prospect of big job cuts. OK, well, that's the private sector. Here in the UK, we're much more focused on the public sector. And nurses announced more industrial action, more strikes for the 6th and 7th of February. And then also we had that news out that teachers have voted to strike. I think that's going to be the kind of big unknown. What does that mean for the UK economy if the schools are closed and so on? But Sending yeah. a chill down the spine of parents everywhere having <laughs> yeah. to deal with closed schools, potentially with that strike as well. OK, up next, billions in UK tax go uncollected, remote learning to combat teacher strikes and ill health costing the economy 150 billion pounds a year. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. 
from Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Now joining us is Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans with the front pages of this morning's newspapers. Good morning. Caroline, good morning to you. So, look, a lot of the newspapers are leading um, on a story that we haven't mentioned yet. This is the conviction of a Metropolitan Police Officer, David Carrick. I want to mention it, though. He admitted to committing 24 counts of rape. And it is really another major scandal for the Metropolitan Police, given that he's a very senior officer, came to the attention of police nine times, but remained a serving officer. So that, I think, locally for London is what a lot of people are thinking about. But then there are some other news stories, including the Financial Times, which leads on UK tax billions going uncollected. Tell us about that. But Caroline, just before we get to that, just touching on that case of David Carrick that you've mentioned there all over the front pages Mm. of the newspaper, In light of this case, Scotland Yard is now reviewing more than 1,600 cases where police officers and staff are accused of sexual and domestic violence offences. So we do know that this is now coming to light here off the back of that case. But we will move on to have a look at the headline in the Financial Times. And as you said, it's about taxes. And the newspaper reports on comments by the Treasury Minister, that's Victoria Atkins, who says almost 2,300 staff have been transferred to work on Brexit cases or the COVID-19 loan scheme, which we do know have been the subject of fraud. Now, this amounts to around 10% of compliance staff at HMRC. And due to this movement, billions of pounds of tax is just not being collected. So it's been left uncollected. And Sarah Olney, she's the Liberal Democrat Treasury spokesman. She has put the question to the Treasury Minister Victoria Atkins, who has admitted that there's been this big transfer of staff leaving this hole when it comes to collecting money. And the Lib Dem party says civil servants are being moved from one crisis to another in a constant game of whack-a-mole, leaving taxes uncollected. So there we are, the latest on uncollected taxes. OK, that's on the front page of the Financial Times this morning. The Telegraph, meanwhile, headlining that schools told to use volunteers and remote learning to combat teacher strikes. Yes, and you just touched on strikes earlier with Caroline there, Stephen, and a mass walkout of teachers who are National Education Union members is now scheduled to begin on the 1st of February. Now, remember, that is a significant date because it will coincide with the Trade Unions Congress National Right to Strike Day. We also know the PCS is going on strike there, hundreds of thousands of civil servants. And with more strike dates in February and March, schools could be closed for four strike days in total in the coming weeks. Now, schools are under pressure to make effort to limit the disruption to pupils. Remember, pupils went through so much disruption, especially during the pandemic. And on Monday, the Department of Education has published guidance which urges schools to consider bringing in volunteers to help look after children and to keep the classrooms open during walkouts. Because as we know, there's a lot of parents who have to 
to go to work who probably can't take this time off. Mm. It's currently really unclear how many of the NUE's 300,000 members will choose to walk up. But as we know, yesterday, teachers did choose to strike. Okay. Um, Just lastly, the Times headline is rising levels of ill health costing the economy £150 billion per year. Yes, and this report in the newspaper touches on how ill health among working age people is costing the economy the equivalent of 7% of the UK's GDP. That is a pretty significant number. And this is according to an analysis by the paper's own health commission. So the Times has been looking at all these figures. Now, really, since the start of the pandemic, more than 360,000 people have been forced to leave the workforce because they are suffering from a health condition that does affect their ability to work. So there we are, just the cost of the economy when people aren't able to make it into the workforce. Mm, Really stark figures. Uh, Leanne Gerrans, thank you very much for that review of... today's papers. Let's turn next to the story out of China today. The growth figures showing that expansion in the economy was hammered last year, but still came in better than forecast in the final quarter. 2022 saw annual growth of GDP slow to just 3%. The pace in the fourth quarter, though, was 2.9%, a potential bright spot there. Let's get the details from our China economy editor, James Mager, who joins us now. Uh, talk us through then, James, the, the hit that the Chinese economy suffered from COVID last year. I mean, the the headline growth number of three percent is the the lowest since twenty twenty, uh, and that was twenty you know, number is the lowest since nineteen seventy six, which is the end of the Cultural Revolution, which was a decade of chaos in China's economy. So, yeah, the the data last year and what happened to the economy last year is, is was pretty damaging. You saw massive lockdowns in Shanghai and other cities across the country, and uh, you know we were facing more lockdowns at the end of the year when the government suddenly decided to open, and Basically, everyone in China got seems to have got COVID in December and January. So it's been a massive a year of massive disruption for for people here, and and as, as you see in the data, also for for the economy. The hope mm. is that um, that now that you know this outbreak, which is continuing right now, once that has sort of subsided somewhat, people will be willing to go out and spend again. People are willing to go out and shop again, and you'll see a real rebound in consumer spending. And also in demand for the housing sector, because last year the, one of the big problems for the economy that wasn't COVID was this, you know, more than year-long slump in, in housing demand, which you know was one of the pillars of the Chinese economy. It was seen as being about a quarter of GDP was related directly related to the housing sector, and that is really the bottom has fallen out of that market. So the hope is that this year people are willing to go out and spend again, go shopping, also buy homes. Um, whether that okay. actually happens or not, that's a that's a open question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, gosh, you described such a difficult year for, for China, James. Um, but this story also has caught our attention on the demographics. China's population started shrinking last year for the first time in six decades. This really has hugely profound implications, doesn't it? Right. Uh, and there are some there are some you know, demographers who say that actually started a number of years ago and the government yes. has just been fiddling with the numbers, basically. But you know, whether it happened in 2018 or whether it happened in 2022 is, is kind of a moot point. Um, when you're talking about 1.4 billion people, uh, give or take 100 million, I guess it's not so so important. But yeah, the, as you say, that 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 slump or that the start of a real fall in, in, in the population is an important story. And as you see in other countries in East Asia and other countries around the world, Japan, South Korea, um, that will not be reversed. There is no way, there is no government in the world that has successfully reversed 
these kind of like long-term demographic changes where as people get richer, as they become more educated, they have less children, they have fewer children. Um, and that the, you know, what the Chinese government has tried to do to try and reverse that, what they've talked about has been tried in other countries and has failed. And so there's no reason to believe that that would be successful in China. And so what does that mean? You know, less demand for housing, less demand for education. If you're an education provider in the US or Australia or the UK and you rely on Chinese students coming from, uh, students coming from China to buy your university courses, there will be fewer and fewer of those as time goes on. Uh, and less demand for commodities from other countries. Uh, you know, maybe this will mean less. Maybe this will mean less consumer demand in the country. Obviously, you know, you can make. There are some changes the government can make to try and slow down the effects of this. For example, you look at Japan. The population has been shrinking for a decade now, but the number of people in the labor force has continued to rise because more and more old people are working. So that that is one thing that the government, you know, the Chinese government could also do, looks to do, to sort of keep more people in the workforce longer. But obviously, as you see in many countries around the world, it's a very, very unpopular decision. There are strikes in France on yes. that exact yeah. issue about raising the working, raising the <laughs> retirement age. You have to work longer before you can get the pension. It's also a very, very unpopular decision in China. The government's been trying to do that now for a decade or more. And basically, every time they talk about it, there's such a backlash that they, they stop talking about it. So, yeah, there's some things that the government can do. But this change is inevitable. I mean, the, the decline is inevitable. And it's going to cause profound changes to China's economy and to the global economy. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.